0: Hey everyone, welcome to Season 2 of Tablework. My name is Amber Bradshaw and I'm your host. I am a new play dramaturg, arts administrator, and educator, and on Season 2 of Tablework, I am going to be interviewing the artists behind the many collectives in Atlanta. People that are bringing the artistic community together to connect. This grassroots work in our field is essential to the development of theater. We can't make it alone. We need collaborators, supporters, and audiences, and we have to meet those folks somewhere, y'all. So I want to lift up the people that are doing this work, often on their own or with just a few other people, because this work has an impact. So let's lift it up, y'all. This podcast is brought to you by Working Title Playwrights, a new play incubator and service organization based in Atlanta, Georgia, in which I serve as the Managing Artistic Director. For more about WTP and me, check out WorkingTitlePlaywrights.com.
1: I think when you're making your own pieces, it's very much like, of course, you know that you want to do it for an audience, but you can't make work for an audience. You cannot made yeah, Snap. you know, with anything attached where you're, like, trying to seek out, you know, the validation of any institutions or artists, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's got to be about the work. It's got to be that you have something to say, something to sh- share.
0: I am so excited to welcome our first guest of season two, actor, producer, and creator Vivian Bang. Vivian is the co-creator, producer, and star of the feature film White Rabbit, which premiered at Sundance Film Festival in 2018. Most notably, she played Ginny in Always Be My Baby, was a series regular on Sullivan and Sons, as well as played a private detective on Swedish Dicks. She's guested on numerous TV series, Room 104, Amazing Stories, Better Off Ted, Get Shorty, Famous in Love, A to Z, Kath and Kim, Numbers, Monk, Becker, The Corner, House, How I Met Your Mother, and Sex in the City. Other earlier works are Yes Man, Little Black Book, Henry Fool, and Our Time is Up. During the pandemic, she self-produced and directed an anti-Asian hate PSA to promote bystander intervention. She started a collective called Eastside Women's Film Club, which hosted many programmings for over 500 members. She also is an NYU Tisch graduate and was an original member and collaborator of New York's performance art troupe big art group and toured internationally with both shows Shelf Life and Flickr. She is currently the producing mind behind her new project we'll be talking about, Performance Jam. Hey Vivian. Hi
1: Amber.
2: <laughs> so Vivian, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from?
1: Yeah. Where did you grow up? So I was born in Korea. I was born in Seoul, the capital. So I'm like a city girl, I think, you know, since I was like a kid during those years, Korean, you know, parents sort of let their kids roam free. They walked to preschool, <laughs> they walked to kindergarten. Right. So I kind of grew up like, you know, and I remember even as a kid, like i look at group dynamics and friends, you know, I didn't have many friends. And so I was always very curious at how these like sort of dynamics built and sort of like the group, dy- you know, so I've always been very, very interested in like collectives and just group mentality and how people act differently when they're in a group versus like when you meet them one-on-one yeah but yeah so our my parents came to the states we uh our first stop u.s was san francisco and that's where i learned my english and then i spent most of my years in new york i went there when i was a teenager and went to college there as well Uh, i went to nyu and then you know i was like working the downtown theater and experimental theater scene there so the most sort of like I guess my informative years were sort of discovered in New York. And then I went to L.A., yeah, and spent, like, about 12, 13 years there, formed community, you know, the whole corporate acting, (laughs) still do. And now I'm in Atlanta.
2: (laughs) I love it. I love it. And at um, NYU, you studied experimental theater, right?
1: Um, Actually, I was trying to double major in film. And um, they put me in experimental theater, but I resisted because I actually knew nothing about acting and that you could make a living as an actor. I mean, it was just something that I always did, like in the privacy of my, you know, Mm -hmm. my room or closet, you know, (laughs) you just like form Mm -hmm. stories in your head. And um, I didn't go to a performance art school or anything like that. So I just had no idea you could make a living being an actor. And so that was very foreign to me. When I went to NYU, you know, like, I didn't even know how to audition, you know, my teachers, my high school teachers, Pam Barnett and Dr. Dubner, who were my, um, I will never forget those ladies because they were such, yeah, they had such a profound effect on me. For what reason, I have no idea because I was quite shy, but they just saw this sort of, I guess, performer in me and like really encouraged me and kind of walked me through the steps of like auditioning, but you know, again, I think it's in my bio somewhere. Like for NYU, I auditioned with uh, Blanche Dubois from Tennessee Williams. And I was like, going to say, I read that on your website. Yeah. Like, I mean, only a, a person who has no clue would choose that piece, for, you know, when they're like 16. And um, you, you got in, right? Yeah, with full scholarship. He yeah, <laughs>
0: So I they're you, probably like, oh, element. no,
1: this girl really needs our help. <laughs> but yeah but they tried to place me in like experimental theater wing, and i like really resisted because i, I wanted more like sort of a classical structure i wanted to know like the history of it and, you know i wanted the techniques so because i didn't have any so i went to circle uh and they kind of covered a lot of the basics of like meisner's tenislauski's you know Adler, some um a bunch of clown clown school like all of it um so i got a bit of Everything and then kind of went to experimental.
2: Got it. Is... So that's funny. So they they put you in it and then you like took the long way around.
1: Yeah, right. but I'm glad I did because um, yeah i I'm a huge advocate for like structure and, and you can find freedom within structure. So it's mm. like, I think if it's you're going nice to break to the rules, like you should know what the rules are and like
2: that key component to yeah. breaking the rules, right? Yeah. You know. Yes. No, I love that.
1: I think acting more than like looking at, yes, it can be silly, but it's also just, it's kind of just giving yourself permission to be, you know? I realized just recently, like doing mm, sort of a performance for a lot of like introverted artists types, you know, like actors are just kind of out there. They're, they, they just are able to give themselves permission to be silly, but also just be, you know, and to express that something is of discomfort and to like go to places where a lot of people don't want to go, you know, a lot of painful places, they like really put themselves there (laughs) in order to kind of look at behavior and humanity, you know, Um, so I think they're just like kind of researchers and then they're able to kind of use this research and and kind of like be um, and to you know, express things, whereas like most of, you know, humans in regular lives, like we, you know, we try to avoid conflict, we try to avoid pain, we try not to be, we try mm-hmm. not to feel. So, yeah. That's actors I are I the try. opposite kind of, mm-hmm. right? I mean, a lot of,
2: I feel like so much of the research actors do is personal inquiry, like what makes me feel this way so that I can use that or that's a, that's a tool
1: for me. Yeah, and what oh. makes others feel yeah, uh, I think I think some of the um, the artists or actors that I really admire, they have such a broad sense of not just their own personal inventory, but just such a language and vocabulary of other humans and like what you know other people's sort of motivations and like Ooh. perspectives. So I think I think that's why a lot of actors are very empathetic because you know they just can sense so much outside of now yeah
2: do you make observation is that like a regular practice for you as an as an actor I didn't specifically? say that
1: it's like a practice it's kind of like something that I've always had just always done yeah it. I think yeah. that's also probably why I went into this field is because I just have for me I just I understand or I, I studying people is like a kind of like a good like a It's as commonplace as like breathing for me. I guess something that I do without thinking about. It's just like, ah, wonder why that person did that. Like just a curiosity, you know. And I thought that was everybody. uh, You know. (laughs) Then I realized, like, oh, some people don't care at all.
2: (laughs) Right. I know. I know. Me too. Me too. I always say I just love digging into the why
0: Mm -hmm. and
2: and doing it with as little value judgments as possible Mm -hmm. you know and then and i think through that practice we kind of learn to love ourselves more too right because we're we're just observing without making judgments yeah and i I think a lot lot of times like
1: those whys also change all the time you know i think constantly the the whys of why people do things change all the time Well, and you,
2: you spent uh, quite a bit of time doing experimental theater professionally too, right? I mean, yeah, you've had quite so a career in experimental theater. One
1: great thing about going to NYU is you're like going to school in the city, really. that You know, New York is your campus. And so you have access to all these crazy artists that are downtown. And so while I was in school, I was, um, you know, going to... La Mama, PS122, you know, like yeah. all the, the kitchen, you know, to La Mama. you get to see, you know, kind of the artists and the stuff that they're making. That's like valent and what was current for that time. And that was a really exciting time. And so I got involved with, I met Caden Manson, who now, who used to be at Carnegie Mellon, who's the head's the theater department there. But, you know, before he he was sort of like very experimental. He formed this group. And uh, we did a bunch of experimental performances. One of my favorite ones was comparing Grey Gardens with three sisters. We had a group called Big Art Group, which was a collective of just like misfits. And we toured all over Europe. We toured the states, like institutions like the Walker Center and Warhol Museum. We were invited like Festival du in Paris and- We had residency in Paris and Belgium and Salzburg. Like we traveled all over, like kind of like rock stars. Yeah. It was like Like, we had an insane producer. And so very (laughs) early on, I I had this sort of taste of what it was to be an art star of sorts. (laughs) So I was making, yeah. So it was like the downtown New York art scene. And I loved it. I loved it very much. But I think a part of me always wanted to be more. In like film and like more mainstream media I thought that was like I don't know I always thought like I could reach more audience I had kind of this is you know and there was a filmmaker Phil Morrison who used to do all those Apple commercials I and mean, then he made that movie that gave um, Amy Adams her big break anyway he, he he's a very like prolific indie director and he would always come to all of our shows in downtown New York you always have like all the filmmakers come and they're like oh what are you know yeah. right. and uh I think he gave me a job to fly. It was like a job, like a, this was when advertising had money. They had money
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he liked using <laughs> the client's money. And so he would just, <laughs> he flew a lot of New York actors to LA to shoot commercials that could have very well been casted in LA, but nice. it was just as spend nice. So that's, we stayed at like Chateau Marmont, and you know, I got to see a side of LA that I was like, Oh wow. Like LA, there's so much filming here. And I had at the time done like an episode of sex in the city and sort of like anything that was filming in New York, I had already sort of guested on. And this was like, you know, I was like still in college, I think. And I got to see firsthand, like going to LA, like what an actual like factory it was of like movie making. You can't compare the kind of, LA is like made with studios and just so centered around like this kind of media at the time you know like film and tv and you just couldn't compare you're like oh my gosh this is where you have to be if you want to be in film and tv you know right so that's kind of very soon after that I quit the group and Mm. moved at kind of like the height of our success and momentum. Really? I thought I could easily like go to LA and they, you know, cause I was like a little darling in New York, you know, like the New Yorker had done a caricature of me, like I'm, you know, whatever. And no one, no one in LA the cares. LA <laughs> <cared>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I did, you know, my first project in LA was with like Kathy Bates, Holly Hunter, Brittany Murphy at the time. It was like this Julia Roberts production. Um, it was a big movie. I ended up being like cut out of the most of the movie, but I met a lot of friends there and kind of yeah. got head on like, oh, what it is to do like a studio movie right. of that caliber. Um,
2: what was it like to tr- transition from like New York experimental theater, LA film making?
1: Yeah, it was really difficult. No one tells you, you know, it's not there weren't like classes and a college mm. of, uh, like you, you know nyu like they don't have classes like how to make it like they should teach like business courses and you know right. just the one how to like, be a how freelance to, artist yeah. yeah i think yeah. i got more out of like how to be an actor for dummies or whatever oh God, right? than i did about the business it was really funny to navigate you know you have the business side of acting which is very much la you go and it's very much like who, you know, in terms of like agents and like the A-list agents, like Mara, CAA, UTA, you know, like at the time in Debra, you know, like all these kinds of, you're just kind of, it's like a business, you know? And I didn't, I didn't really know that. I was coming strictly from like art world and kind of making work that spoke to me and was collaborating, you know, making things together. I didn't realize like come to more of a corporate setting with like corporate acting it's like oh writers stay here and actors stay here they don't talk you know writers go to the writers room blah 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 mm-hmm. There's not this kind of collaboration that I was that from the world that I had come from and yeah it was really hard it was really isolating LA at the time I didn't really know soul and then auditioning I could tell like I was making fun choices I'd make everyone in the room laugh but it was like so big for the camera so it took me a while to know the camera's a complete different medium and stage. And though I had done a bunch of guest spots in New York, those parts were all for people with like more character stuff, you know, it was on like sex in the city and it was like a big, you know, like a fun part that I could be kind of character And, and so when I was doing these auditions more for um, like TV, um, yeah, it's really, there's it a little bit of a challenge and a, a shift to, yeah, to not be so much, but to be more me. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: So so that's really interesting that the experimental theater work actually brought you directly into the world of New York film, it sounds like. And then that brought you to L.A., like the art group. The work with them was kind of yeah. how you opened it up. That's into. Always been, um, that's that's very always cool. been my
1: path is that you're doing the work. Doing the work, putting yourself out there wherever you are, and that's how you sort of meet your next like collaborators or whatever. Mm -hmm. They see your work, and it for me that's always been the case.
2: I wanted to lift that up because I think sometimes artists think, you know, that there's like a certain path that's the right one, or you know. And I'm like, no, no,
1: actually, you'd be really surprised. There's no trajectory in our world or like sort of guide. You know, it's just literally about aligning yourself with like the work that you know, you want to make or or the work that's offered to you, you know, whatever it is. It's, yeah, actually, even White Rabbit, I was on a show, I was on a television show, but uh, Trump had just gotten elected and I just, I felt like this need to go back to my sort of experimental theater um, work and to make something that meant something to me. He was putting up all these borders and walls and I wanted to talk about immigration experience and so while I was uh, shooting the show, I I used any of my free time to, like, make this piece that I uh, performed at the Red Cat Theater. And it was a it was a very, very dark piece, very heavy. I think at the time, this was all before, like, even the Black Lives Matter and the Women's Project, like, all of it. Like, um, it was before all of that. And at the time, like people were not talking about race in the art world. <laughs> and so I did this piece, and it was, like, the whole theater just... Uh, It got really, really tense, but it mattered, you know. And I did this work, and in the audience is where I met Daryl, who was my collaborator in making White Rabbit, which became its own thing, you know. It it was like more of a comedy about the performance artist herself, but it came from that, from doing this piece that I just had to do to to make something that you know I just I felt that like all artists were being called to serve at this time. And so I don't know. I mean, that was so strange that, you know, a, a lot of times like uh the Red Cat space is not a place where a lot of like Hollywood film directors go or um mm-hmm. it's very separate. You know, that's a very kind of like art. A lot of people don't even go watch, but not everyone knows to go there, even though like there's a lot of exciting work coming out. Um, but Daryl mm-hmm. happened to be an adventurer, and he was in the audience, and I guess whatever I did, like, really spoke to him, and, um, you know, like people connect to like people, and so that's how we met, is that he saw a performance I did, and then with that character in mind, we developed White Rabbit together and made the film, which went to Sundance in 2018, my first feature. I mm-hmm. produced uh started um congratulations. Yeah, got into Sundance. we have it was quite successful. We sold it there to had distribution, paid our you know back.
2: yeah, what did I watch it on Amazon, I think? Yeah, it's fantastic. If you have access, y'all watch it. white rabbit it's it's quite good. I love the ending. It's fantastic. You know, something that resonated for me is that you were like. I need to make this piece. So I made this piece. And then that led you to making a movie that went to Sundance. But it wasn't like you were like, I'm going to make a movie and it's going to go to Sundance. You were like, yeah. I'm going to make something that matters to me. I think it's art. That I want to put out in the world. Yeah. And that is as simple as it needs to be. Yeah. And it can become anything. You know, this just the idea that these things that we make that seem so small, right? You know, it's your one person show, you yeah. know, had he not seen it and you made something else out of it, that would have been it maybe, yeah. you know, you didn't know, but you you followed that path and you were called to do it and you did it. And so I just, it's really important, I think, for artists here that you don't have to be looking for something to find it. And that really, like you said, being aligned and following Following the path that feels really good to you as an artist is the best way to go.
1: Yeah, I think if you are on the sort of authentic journey of your life, um, you will attract those collaborators. You will attract whatever you're supposed to attract to go to your next chapter. I guess. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. I I think for my own projects, of course, when I'm being paid, you know, to be an actor, like I don't always get to choose. So of course, I take. Paid- <laughs> I'll take almost anything now. Mm-hmm. Um I think I can choose now. Um <laughs> But you know, I think when you're making your own pieces, it, it's very much like of course you know that you want to do it for an audience, but you can't make work for an audience. You cannot make yeah, work snap, you know, with anything attached where you're like trying to seek out, you know, the validation of any institutions or artists like Mm -hmm. yeah it's got to be about the work it's got to be that you have something to say something to share and that Mm -hmm. yeah I love
2: that and I think that's that was one of the things I really liked about my rabbit is I was oh it's really grounded in the mission and a purpose but it also feels like this just gorgeous story about this human being you know living their life you know so I thought that was strong and like I really um, wanted to,
1: you know, investigate at that time. I mean, it seems so dated now already, but it was back in <laughs> 2000. Yeah. 2017.
2: And it thinks are dating hard these yeah, days.
1: <laughs> in 2018, and it was really just looking about, you know, at, all the artists that don't have institutional support our country doesn't even have what is it a department of culture or oh, yeah. yeah there's mm-hmm. no sort of uh institutional support for artists so like what do you do it's like you clean public spaces for your stage you just go and make work and this right. is what you do and then what is what is art that can't be sold what is work that can't be mod- modified or sold or you know mm-hmm. what Does that count? And then why do we do it? Like, are we making work just for ourselves? And, you know, and then also kind of poking fun at the gig economy that we all have to participate in in order to sustain our lives as artists. Like, uh, she's a task rabbit, so, you know. Right. So, Yeah. yeah, it was all such a fun opportunity to talk about everything that I was really, like, thinking about in that current time. What were the biggest, like,
2: development challenges of transitioning and adapting a one-person show for the stage into a film?
1: Well, it was a complete different story. I mean, the the, the piece for the stage was um, incorporated in the movie. So any sort of performance you saw Sophia do, that is what I did. right? Um, So, you know, those performances were something that I already had. But this story is more about who is this artist making these, like, serious pieces of work. Yeah. (laughs) You know, she's someone who didn't, quite take yourself that seriously so yeah it was a sort of like we had to come up with a blueprint and an idea like uh that was just he was very curious about who she who this performer was and you know I was trying to explain to Daryl it's not a autobiography I am not you know so I actually was very inspired by a lot of my artist friends in LA who actually don't have gallery representation or you know don't have museums that they're, you know, so I was I was speaking about a lot of my friends and sort of created this character that I mm-hmm. thought was really, like, funny. <laughs> yeah, and
2: I love I love what you're saying about just the idea that artists have been excluded from a lot of spaces and that at the same time are exceptionally good at creating, creating space where there is none, right? Yeah. Which I think is really elegant. It was like a nice way <laughs> of putting it. But I do think there's something about experimental theater that does that, right? Like, it's kind of like, okay, well, this might be a sidewalk, but right now it's my stage. Mm. And and that's because I say it is, mm. which I think is really fantastic. And every artist should remember that you can make art anywhere. Yeah, what I'm
1: doing in Atlanta. <laughs> exactly. It
2: definitely leads us into some of our conversation today, because I think all we really need is uh, like maybe like two or three people, right. To, to make some theater, you know, and, and you don't, you don't need much. Okay. So I want to talk about your moving to Atlanta. When did you move to Atlanta?
1: Ah, Okay. So I have a niece. It it was purely for personal reasons. Um, I'd gone through some, Changes in my life. <laughs> to, be, to get personal, I went through some major changes. I, I broke up with a partner who I was living with, you know, for a long time. And I lost my house. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. But that's a totally crazy story. Anyway, went through a lot of trauma and then pandemic happened. And I was just like, what is going on? And I think a lot of people just went through a lot of crazy changes, you know. And mm-hmm. as soon as sort of it became... That we, you could self tape and sort of do this, that you could be an actor and not have to be based in LA. That you can, you know, mm-hmm. it gave me a huge sense of freedom to look at okay, where can, where do I need to be? And I didn't want to be in LA, even though I have a beautiful community of friends and family there. I I love my friends so much, and I I really truly miss them. But I have a niece, and I come to Atlanta once a year to celebrate her birthday, but it wasn't enough and just after a pandemic I, I just thought what am i doing i need to be there and spend more time with her she's kind of i have a very special bond with her and so she was kind of the catalyst for me to look at atlanta and mm-hmm. um every time i came to visit i'd see parts of atlanta that i really adored, like kind of the diy spirit of things there's not mm-hmm. quite an infrastructure can be a good and bad thing not a lot of infrastructure so there's not much support but also there's not a lot of gatekeepers you know so so they say yes to a lot of things and you can do a lot of things And so that was really appealing to me as kind of like a experimental maker things mm. i think atlanta has a lot of soul and dancing oh you know, yes. people in la did not dance as much as people here do really um, yeah well i found um i go dancing all the time in la of course but like yeah, I come to Atlanta. I'm like, oh, everyone dances here. Yeah,
2: I would say it's become very popular, especially after the pandemic. I mean,
1: really, um, I, I,
2: you know, and and of course, this I is like you know for listeners, this is how this is how we met. Yeah, on we the met dance floor, at banshee. And banshee. For those who don't know, banshee it is a restaurant in East Atlanta, and um,
1: on the weekends, they closed down the kitchen do. and it turns into a little. Out.
2: yes <laughs> and they hire local DJs that are amazing and we have such we get to really enjoy some great music there all the time which is which is awesome but yeah we love it we love it I think a lot of I mean southerners kind of grew up in churches dancing mm-hmm. and singing and carrying on <laughs> I think I think there's some cultural
1: yeah uh, I mean, there's connection to a all of that place of like the third place the third place it's not home and it's not work mm-hmm. and uh, i think for a long time the church served as this third place um yeah. that people could come together exchange ideas you know have had this kind of rituals and communal times you know i think mm-hmm. that is very important for human beings you know this kind of collective energy so whereas like church is not necessary where it's no longer church maybe now it's a bars maybe it's you know collective dance party maybe it's yeah exactly
2: oh I i think that's really cool i think actually too coming out of the pandemic maybe that's become clearer to us you know like the effect of those collective gatherings and how they can impact everything we do
1: even though i think these collective spaces are important i think there are those of us you know that got very used to you know having everything sort of No, exactly. That's why I think it's so key that when we're talking about what a collective space should have,
2: we're thinking about what differentiates it from being at home in your bed, watching Netflix, because like, if you can't do better than that, then you probably aren't going to have a lot of people come, right? keep. That's what I say a lot about the American theater is if we are competing with that kind that level of luxury, which just like you said, everything brought to your door, things are very easy.
1: Comfort of your home.
2: Then what we are offering is the collective experience, quite literally. It's that's it. That's the base of it.
1: Being in a dark theater in a movie theater. Even, you know, like I love movie theaters and cinemas, like to go there and to experience a movie with strangers, who you don't know, but they're laughing at the same parts you're laughing at. Maybe, maybe they're laughing at something you didn't think was funny, but what's, but, you know,
2: exactly. experiencing a
1: film together or art together, there's nothing. Nothing there's, quite like it, right? You can't, you can't, you can't not have that. That yes. has that has to be. I think there is a trend now. You know, you know, I see the Plaza Theater, the local theater in Atlanta the Plaza, getting a lot of traffic. Good, seeing a lot Great of dinner. older films and you know revivals, and it, they're always sold out. It's so fun. That's Everybody amazing wants to experience things together. I think there is
2: just yeah. so relieved to see spaces like that coming back to us. And so that actually kind of leads me to what you're doing. And how we ended up uh, hanging out and talking about our work together.
1: I would love to hear more about your performance jam. My performance jam. Yes. Well, I think it froze purely selfishly because I was looking for community. And Baron Vaughn, who was in that show, um, he's a fantastic comedian and actor. He was in uh, Gracie and Frankie, or... Gracie, thank yeah, yeah, Frank. Um, Frankie yeah, Sookie so, and Gracie. On yeah, <laughs> you with know, Bond so <laughs> so <terrible.
2: laughs> or something. Yeah.
1: So Baron, uh, Baron and I met making a film. Uh, we were in a movie together in LA, and, and we, you know, we became friends. And we moved to Atlanta around the same time. He moved here with his family for personal reasons as well. And so when we met up for coffee one day, uh, just just out of the necessity of not having. Not knowing as many uh people. I wanted to create community of people who loved performing, loved stories, loved to act, but also loved to write. I just wanted to have a space where we could be creative together but not feel the pressure of having to do it well, I guess. Mm. Because everyone is very creative and you know, it just you, you need that kind of safe space and incubator of sorts for like your errant ideas. Mm -hmm. To have a space to experiment and and just come. And I guess artists go to their studios all the time and make art. Writers, you know, show up to their writing tablets and write, you know, like a creator has to create, you know, and and Mm -hmm. performers need an audience. Performers need to be in rehearsal. So I just wanted to create that for myself. And so again, because it's something that I wanted to do, Baron and I started, and it literally started with maybe two or three people I had met who I was like, "Oh, are you an actor? I'm an actor too. I just moved here, and you know, you want to join my acting group?" And luckily, we got the Plaza Theater, uh, the this great local, um, great space and a great
2: great location. Yeah, right in the middle of town. Right
1: in the middle of town. You know, kind of like an old movie theater. You're not familiar territory. with Martin Plaza, look it up. It's an old, beautiful movie theater. And so we get to rehearse in this theater and it's see really music. Cool. Like just, you know, Saturday mornings we show up eleven to two and we we just jam and it just grew and grew and I get to experience on a weekly basis something really beautiful and, and yeah, great. You did, yeah. I see, you know, for me as an artist, for as an actor actually. My favorite times are in rehearsals. Oh, right. My favorite times is in the discovery, in rehearsals, when you discover something new and then you just do it and then maybe you can never, ever, ever repeat it again, but you right. found it there. It's in the discovery of it and in that search and in in, 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 in the work. And, you know, and so I facilitate the space and it's grown so much. And um, I had this idea, you know, I've always, my dream since moving to Atlanta – I wanted to have a neighborhood community theater where it's not just people who are in this field that get to work, but architects who want to build a set, you know, like maybe um, somebody wants to make costumes for us or design, you know, design cards. Like I just wanted to have a a project, a common project of telling a story and creating the story together Mm -hmm. with our neighbors and keep it local, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think everyone needs to kind of go back to, being local and, and that's agree. where we have the most sort of say and some sort of make some sort of and this is such a vibrant community yeah oh my
2: gosh so I've the always had like this here. dream
1: to like have this like sort of mm-hmm. neighborhood community theater of sorts and so it's kind of from that like you know I'm hanging out in EAB which is East Atlanta Village and I looked at Grant's East pizza right grant
2: central east grant central
1: east pizza and they had a stage and i'm like hey can we do a show here and we called it pizza and stories and it was so fun we were rehearsing anyways and we we were rehearsing without actually ever thinking we were going to perform i was like hey let's perform
2: (laughs) so how long had you been um bringing people together before you had the grant central performance maybe
1: like five six months right on yeah
2: Got it, and that was a very successful show it was that so night. I mean, fun. you had tons of people. It was, it was so incredibly fun. packed, and. Yeah. A lot of actors performed, you know, yeah, and a lot of and different some work. And songwriters. Someone sang, yeah. you know, someone played some it was music. Just super
1: fun. Yeah. And I didn't know that, you know, you have a party and you don't know if anyone's going to show. Right. And everybody showed. Oh, show. everyone came. Yeah. And you know what was funny is like we ran out of seats and we ran out of tables. I was like having everyone sit at table. Yep. We ran out, and so we went next door to Banshee, and we borrowed their chairs, and they're like, yeah, go take it. Love take it. it. Yeah. They're like, we're yeah. sure, in for you. So this is like, I don't know. I love that kind of spirit, you know? Just yeah. like everyone kind of watching out for each other. It's like, oh, you guys are doing a play? And, yeah, take the chair. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, after doing that, there was a request to do some more. Do some so more. So now it's become the thing. And, and the last show, the second one we had was at Pullman Yards, which was, you know,
2: it's a it's huge, an incredibly venue. huge venue. Yeah, it's a beautiful venue, beautiful
1: space. So much history. Yeah, um, so yeah, we had the privilege of performing there, and yeah, it's growing. It's so sweet. It's kind of like, and and just just to
2: to talk about this since this is development stuff. When so you basically just went to the owners of Grant Central and you were like, hey, can we do this reading thing here? Yeah, and they were like,
1: okay, cool. Yeah, they were like, oh, Phil. Phil does all the programming here. You programming. <laughs> you're like, there's
2: a programming yeah. guy?
1: <laughs>
2: Hilarious. Yeah, so so Phil diving, looked you up.
1: Join, yeah, there's
2: a programmer there. Like I say, you know, in charge of
1: the,
2: yeah. just got to ask and that's how you know. And then you had said Pullman Yards was because you're, you're friends with the, the folks who run Pullman Yards, right? Yeah, my one
1: of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um She's, you know, they're mom and pop developers. They've done mm-hmm. so much for the city to, you know, revive that space. And she came to the pizza joint. She's sitting in one of the tables and she's like, you know, you could come to my space. Oh, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> so that's kind care. of how that ended up a yeah.
2: thing. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great to know because I was curious about that. You know, these are the kind of questions artists often have for me is like, how did you get that space? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, you we have a invited, friend yeah. or you like ask, Right think, again.
1: back It's to, not always because you know the someone,
2: but it can be. Right.
1: If you're doing the work and you're making the work and you're presenting the work, I mean, you're gonna meet the people that invite you. So, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like it wasn't me going after thought, you know, seeking after a bigger venue or anything like that. It was right. just happened naturally. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like that. You just make the work, and the work sort of has, has its own life. So
2: true. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And so, where does the material that is performed?
1: What is where does that come from? So, a lot of it's our own writing. Oh, uh, very okay, cool. That I did at the Menard was a, a silent retreat that I incorporated some of like the other performers, and then uh, yeah, I had sort of like a beginnings of a one woman show that i been sort of writing. So it kind of all was like a mash of that because it's um uh, because it's jam. And it's very much celebrating process and we're not like a production and it's not produced. You're kind of seeing the scenes a bit. Right. Because of that, we have an immense amount of freedom in terms of like the work we can bring. And So, you know, sometimes we can even bring our favorite scenes from our favorite playwrights. And it's like So you plays.
2: invite people that attend the jam on Saturdays at the, at the plaza and to it, bring material yeah. in. So and pretty, then you might select material for the shows that y'all are doing, and by shows we mean it's memorized, but there's not a ton of tech or there's no set, there's no costumes, but it's uh, memorized, there's right?
1: Costumes, but okay. Like it's kind of like whatever they feel. So it doesn't talk. necessarily have to be. Yeah.
2: Got it. Okay. And there's not like directors working on it. that's you. You're kind of facilitating and yeah. managing and directing. Got yeah. it. Okay. So cool. it's been
1: really fun to. Um, we do assign directors. they will be performers okay. within the performance jam sort of volunteer to be like, Hey, I wanna kinda shape that. Like, can I direct it? And so got we it. all get to wear a little bit of every like different hats. Um I'd never done tech before and I for Pullman Yards we needed tech. So right. uh, that was hell and <laughs> a huge humbling learning experience. But you know, again, I got to expand my Resources. But that's that's the key. Like you tried something
2: new, and yeah. it's not always going to be perfect. <laughs> so what are you? So obviously you just did this big show at Pullman Yards. So yeah. you, you've so, taken yeah, so a the break. Performance
1: jam is a sort of a
2: constant with me. I think it's just so it's every Saturday.
1: Up. Yeah, every Saturday
2: at the Plaza Theater. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to obviously include this in our materials, but let's also say that we can, y'all can find Vivian at at I am bang on Instagram, and you can find performance jam information at, at performance jam on Instagram as well. And I love what you're doing with that too. Like you're featuring the artists and the writing and uh, the process. So that's been really cool. I think there, there needs to be more work like this happening in Atlanta. I thank you for doing this because... As someone who's also doing it, I see the need and there's just no way that one organization or even three could fulfill it. So, and also I think sometimes like working title when it was very, very small, it was more nimble in some of these ways. But now that we're so much bigger, we've got a hundred playwrights. We got all these actors we work with. You know, it means it's less flexible that, Oh, can you do a reading of my play or can we do this thing? Right. So the idea of really enjoying that flexibility when you're making your own work. Yeah. I think artists don't realize, yes, it is a lot of work to produce your own things. It's a lot of work. It's and a to ton of honest, work. Like- but but how much does it give back to you? And how much freedom do you have in deciding how it's going to go? Right?
1: Yeah. I think, yeah, the price of freedom is that you don't have a lot of, yeah, sometimes a lot of resources or support. I learned that in tech. Right. In tech, it was really, really hard. I mean, I was sourcing lobs from friend, film friends that I had met in town. Right. I was oh sourcing my gosh. And Coleman well, was really helpful, of course. But then they didn't have like a technical director just to give us, you know. So it was a lot of, um, it was very humbling. And sometimes it gets, uh, you just have to borrow and whatever. But, yes. um, I think we don't have to rely so heavily on this idea that has to come, you know, that you have to have money or you have to have like, establishment support you. Like exactly really can make work and just. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think something that's really important to note is how few performance venues and spaces there are in Atlanta. So that we're often making spaces that are not theaters or venues meant for that into spaces that are. So it can be really challenging yeah. to and turn also, those spaces you, into that.
1: How do you sustain, you know, it's hard to sustain. I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're not we're not doing this to make money, you know. Sure, but, but people do need to pay their rents and live. So, like, mm-hmm. the, these are questions that are very complicated. Like, you can't, you know, <laughs> yeah, you can't always just be making work mm-hmm. because you do have to. You do have to. I mean, our system's not set up to like sort of support us just making work that matter to us i know
2: right i know
1: <laughs> you have to work and you have to get a job you have to pay rent you have to pay this and that and and, and somehow
2: maybe. you're supposed to stay in flow so that you can make yeah. the work
1: I me mean, sometimes <laughs> well how do you do that right yeah super challenging i remember one of our friends Aaron, you know i was asking everyone why they were there at the space on a saturday you know you want to get brunch or something with your friends like why are you there on a Saturday? one of the one of the performers, Erin, was like, you know, I don't want to be here, actually. Like, I'm so tired. I have two jobs. I work so <laughs> Oh, a game, and,
2: no. <laughs> you know,
1: I just showed up because I didn't want to let my scene partner down that you know, working on this thing, and I didn't want to let my scene partner down. And I'm like, God, that's so beautiful. Like, sometimes you just show up because you have to show up for somebody else, you know? Yes. <laughs> and that was, and then, you know, she also said she always gets something out of it. when she was like, mm-hmm. kind of
2: like, going Going to the gym, right? <laughs> I think that's how it can be sometimes, because it can really be like pulling teeth sometimes. But I, I commend you. Thank you for bringing people together and doing that work, because it is in service mm-hmm. to the collective and to the process. And you know, as much as it would be great if we could get paid to stay in our creative flow, that's just part of being an artist, right? Like finding spaces that activate you. So that you can be in flow when you need to be, whether you are making money or not, right? That is the hardest part of being a professional artist, you know, is what the balance of that, which is, of course, kind of what White Rabbit is about, (laughs) which is great. I mean, it's a specific experimental Mm -hmm. theater artist. It's very much this, like, how do we do the art thing with capitalism? How does this work? And I often ask that question. I mean, we talk about it a lot on the podcast. And I think for me, it's not about continuing to make make myself think that I'm never going to make it or it's always going to be like this. It's more like, you know, if this is how it is. Where are the resources and what can I achieve and what will fulfill me? <sighs> exactly. It
1: is an unconditional love that I give. Um, mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, I mean, you can see that work that you've done in cultivating the community with, how many people show up to those and how many people are involved and you know, so congratulations on that. That's really cool. I mean, for me, the biggest return to being in service to artists is getting to see them um, feel seen and heard Mm -hmm. and happy to be collaborating with people, you know, Mm -hmm. because that, that to me is the key, right? Because so many artists are, really not very satisfied with a lot of those situations. So if you can just give them a place to do that, it's just really special.
1: Yeah. And everyone has their own journey to why they do what they do. You know, that's kind of not on um, mm-hmm. to yeah. But to create these spaces and to Yeah, just bring people together. I mean, that's kind of like the job is to bring people together and then when you bring people together, it sort of has its own creation. Sometimes it's not always positive. There's yeah. not, you know? yeah. not. Sometimes it's just like, oh yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Like, oh, <laughs> it's like why? Why am I doing this all the time? All the time in the middle of the morning oh when I'm so stressed, I'm like, why am I doing this? Oh, but then, like mm-hmm. I told you, you know, like a couple of days later, after a good rest and crying bed, you're, like, you're yes. like, okay, what's the next? Exactly. <laughs> it's
2: true. It's so true. And you, you're you like, I did that. I did that and That's survived it, yeah. you know, yeah. which is really an accomplishment period, right?
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm, yeah, I guess I'm always looking for the, the next So It's like hard mm-hmm. to reflect, but yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. If
2: people were, people were
1: thinking, yeah, I want to start my own
2: collective. I want to do something kind of like this. Is there any advice that you would
1: give them? Yeah. Pe- find people you like working with.
0: That's
1: great find advice. Find people who like what you like and start there. I do definitely think that our jam is made up of so many different people who come from different walks of life with very different perspectives. I mm-hmm. don't like in spaces with like-minded people because I'm Get a bubble of your own, you know. That's great advice.
2: Whatever. Make sure that you have a diversity of perspectives and yeah, human beings that's around why, you. Why? So important.
1: You're just going to get like, oh yeah, a mirror, you know, like. Yeah. But definitely when you're starting something, of course you have to have just a commonality of like, what do you, what do you want? You want to play? Yeah, I want to play. You know, yeah. No, I don't want to play. Playing's the last thing I want to do. I want to make money. Or, you know, it's different. So yeah. you just want to have like similar goals but definitely people you like, even if they're so different than you, like it's just, you spend so much time working, like working is what, like 80% of our days, or you just want to work with people you love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You spend too much, too much time at work with people that like, for you not to enjoy them. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Baron has been like my partner and I go, you know, like we're such, we work so well together and, we so supportive, you know, for the last jam, he was away in upstate uh, doing work. And so it's kind of on me, but still like knowing that I could really call him and just to have a partner and cry, you know, it's just a huge support. So awesome. um, a lot of times I work really fast and so I can get really frustrated. And I remember someone told me, if you want to do something fast and quick, then do it by yourself. But if you <laughs> want to do it for the long haul, yeah. do it with others.
2: Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think if you want to move fast, sometimes that doesn't work in a collective because there's been, like, agreed-upon ways of doing it. So if you change yeah, it up...
1: with other people, there's a... People exactly. There's other... Yeah, then... It becomes an issue. There's... Exactly. There's...
2: Exactly. <laughs> so true. So you true. yeah
1: frustrating. There's drama. There's... You know, dealing with people. Like, hello. Yeah. What is it? Like, a church... They say, God is at church, but the devil comes to the cafeteria.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, That's just funny.
1: any sort of people-run organization, there's just going to be stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, yeah. I think, um, especially in these modern days where we are so isolated and living in our own bubbles, I think, I think our tolerance for conflict is just so weak, you know? And I agree. And, I agree it's just conflicts when you're dealing with other people disagreements. there's yeah. gonna be conflict and yeah, to exactly. navigate like that's not that's part of being human and I think we're so scared and it can be so uncomfortable so I get it but um yeah I'm all for working with collectives
2: so with that I want to say Vivian you are awesome <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today I don't know how to handle I know right Um, and I'm just so grateful we met on the dance floor Um, shout out to Banshee (laughs) thank you Vivian take care
1: thank you listeners for tuning in to Table Work How New Plays Get Made with Amber Bradshaw
0: this podcast was brought to you by Working Title Playwrights if you like what you've heard today support this podcast and all our initiatives by leaving us a review following us
1: and or consider making a tax-deductible donation to Working Title Playwrights at www.WorkingTitlePlaywrights.com. Table work.